Hello and welcome to episode 9 of These Notes Are To Be Believed, um, a randomer Nintendo. I am today's host, Angel. Um, yeah, I'm not sure where everyone's sitting right now. Um, I guess in their closet we have Jason. I mean, in the literal sense, yes, I am currently sitting in the closet. This is true. Yes. Uh, hello. Oh, I forgot that was a, a thing. Yeah. yeah, I just needed make sure that it's clear we're nothing talking about that, the though. literal tiny closet I'm sitting in. Nothing wrong with the figurative closet, just not me. I'm just in a literal closet. Wow, way to start the show. So, yeah. Way to start the show. Uh, Oof. Yeah, and at their desk, presumably, um, Kevin? Did you say? Oh, I thought you said after death. Because I was like, wait, <laughs> like, how you're feeling today, Kevin? At, at I, have feel, I, I have feel like death. I, I'm very sick. So, oh. if I sound more congested than usual, because I think I came came down with the flu, so did you? You actually don't sound sweater? that bad. I'm wearing a sweater right now. Well, I'm wearing a oh, jacket. No. Oh no, I meant like when, like, oh, you went out last night without a jacket or something. Yeah, oh, I'll no. be fine. <laughs> I'll be I, I don't know. I don't know what would cause me to get this sick. Honestly, well, it is the mm-hmm. flu season's worse this year, and it's been the last couple of years because everyone's immune systems kind of got knocked down a peg by not doing anything for the last few years. So. Supposedly, this is the worst flu season. There may be a rebound of COVID. There's something called RSV, some respiratory thing. Like, there's like a triple. The health officials are calling it a triple demic, and I'm saying like, why you're missing out on tridemic? But sure. Uh, but yeah, no, I think a lot of people are gonna be sick in the next few months. Yeah, years ahead. Years ahead of the curve. You're a trendsetter, Kevin. That sucks. Yeah. That's one of the last things that I'd want to be saying a trend on. Yeah. Right. Man, is what it is. Well, I mean. I guess, how have you two been these past few weeks? I mean, since we last recorded? Like, I've just been moving stuff, so there hasn't really been much on my end. Just whenever I do get any semblance of free time, I'll be playing some Marble Snap. I think, uh, I don't even know how much time I've, like, sunk into this game already. But I guess, like, for point of reference for whatever it means to anyone, I think my collection level is at over a 1,000 already. Jesus Christ. And... How? I'm going to assume that's a lot based on Kevin's reaction. I'm, at, I'm, bar- I'm barely at 390, dog. Like, <laughs> My ranking, I think it's like at 56 or something like that. But yeah, it's been fun. Been really enjoying um this Patriot deck. It was kind of annoying to play against when I first saw it, but eventually started running my own. And I guess, yeah, I, I realize Patriot deck means nothing to Jason. But um, Correct. There are, there are cards. I don't know if you even downloaded the game simply that i have it downloaded and then i went wow. to new york and then i didn't play it but i have wow. it downloaded i wanted to play it but things got busy going to new york and then new, my trip to new york was busy and then catching up from new york was busy and but i have it it's sitting on my phone every time i go in my games it's like the first one there so it reminds me i need to start i uh, <clears throat> i remember asking your brother angel if he was ever gonna play it and he said no absolutely not because he knows that he'll just get addicted to it <laughs> he probably oh yeah he probably would yeah, I mean, so I, that's I was showing funny. him like some stuff about the game yesterday, and he was like, "Oh, damn, that does look cool." But yeah. um, yeah, I guess essentially the deck that I'm using uses cards that don't have effects, and then I just buff those cards, and I just swarm the field with a bunch of little wiki minions. So half the time I'm winning with like a ten power squirrel or eleven power squirrel, or in one of the cases from one of the games like a few like last week, like one of my locations was like at over four thousand, just Jesus. because I. Just because the location was double the effect of all ongoing effects, and then I had a card that doubled the effects on there that doubled ongoing effects. Oh, so the onslaught combo. 
Yeah, and then I used my mystique to copy the onslaught, so then I was doubling the doubling of the doubling, <laughs> and I just had one patriot there, and, like, the minions literally, like, it broke the numbers on them. They were, like, weird, blurry number, and then you see, like, a 25 and then more blurry number after that, but somehow that equated to over 4,000 in, like, multiple locations. Yeah. And I think they patched that after. Yeah, they, they, they patched, they patched the onslaught. Yeah, so it'll still do a ton of, you know, still give a nice big buff, but won't be that crazy anymore. Have you yeah. um, bought any variant cards? Have I bought any variant cards? Yeah. Uh, I bought one for Swarm because the T-Rex made out of bug look really cool. Um, gotcha. Otherwise, not really. I've just been kind of waiting for like the right one. I honestly don't really like any of the pixelized ones. I got one of them. Uh, yeah, the pixel variants aren't that great. Yeah, like it doesn't feel like... Like if they were going to do pixelated, they should have gone more with like... Tomorrow vs. Capcom art style. It's like they pick something between Super Nintendo and NES, and yeah. it just feels. I don't know. It feels like oh, they, they did that weird in... sixteen bit instead of eight or thirty two. Yeah, like they they look like um, like not officially licensed art. If that makes any sense, it looks more like a Magneto you would see in a fan made pixelated Flash game, like on Deviant Art Which... ten years ago, sort of thing. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, it's still like, it's clearly Magneto, there's nothing necessarily wrong with it, it's just, it's missing something. Like, when you see really good pixel art, you you really know, yeah, you can tell. Something about this is just not quite, like, to the pro tier I would expect, I guess, from Marvel. Considering some of the other art is, like, amazing, but... I yeah. will say, up until you started talking about pixel art, I understood the words you were saying... Like, I knew the definition of every word you said, but when they were put together in the way you guys were putting them together, I had no – it was like a foreign language. I had no idea what you were talking about. It was a very weird experience because I knew every word, but I didn't know what they meant once they were strung about together. About pixel art? No, before that when you guys talked about all the Marvel stuff. Oh, I see. Like the snap. Like the, oh, this deck and this move and this minion. I'm like, I, I understand these words. <laughs> like, if you, if you give me well, each word, I can tell you what it means, game, but I don't know what that means together. You will know. Mm-hmm. But I know what uh, I mean. What's up, Kevin? Uh, do you uh, snap like as soon as you start a game? Uh, no, I I kind of wait till like the second to last turn on average, and I, I definitely retreat a lot just to like as soon as like they snap and I'm not feeling like even remotely confident, I'll just like leave. Like, oh yeah, yeah. risk it. But, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for the most part, yeah, I'll snap on the last turn. Most of the time, I end up getting my eight, but there's been a few times where I'll have. I guess more nonsense for Jason. I'll have like my Mystique and Patriot and I'll fly all on one space and I'm like, oh, like I'm good. I'll be fine. And then they'll play an Enchantress there and then I lose all Not an Enchantress. Yeah. And then I lose (laughs) all the buffs and all the doubling. So then I just started playing a lot of Cosmo and now it's the jokes on them. But Cosmo's in the dog? Yeah. Yeah, the dog. I will say. Counter. Strangest curveball in the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, which I was watching last night. Cosmo's there. No explanation. Just there. You know what's funny? Um, <laughs> just one of the Guardians now, I guess. you know that technically you guys are officially part of the MCU? Us. I think Jason might know where I'm going with this. Uh, us? Like, if, you, if either of you saw the holiday special. I mean, I did see the holiday special. Yeah, where are you going with this? Maybe, maybe I'm not picking up what you're putting down. Uh, have you seen it? Kevin, or do you care to see it? I have not seen it. Uh, I, I, I have not seen it. Oh, okay. Do you care if I spoiled a joke? Not really. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I saw this article because it was tweeted by someone I knew. And then, um, essentially, 
I guess they go to Hollywood and yes. or something and someone takes a picture with Drax and then they say like, oh, yes. oh I took I took a picture with the God of War thinking he was the God of War and not Drax. Yeah, they have so, a creative which means Santa Monica Studios exists in that universe, which means as someone that works there, I exist in that universe. And if I exist there, that means my friends also exist in that universe. Whether you guys were Deep. people that were snapped at some point, who knows? But I guess um, and Jason are technically canon. That's crazy. To that I didn't think of it that way, but yeah, that makes sense. The, the, that, that was actually one of the funniest lines in the whole special. Because um, it was the kids take a picture with Drax, and then their mom is like, "That did you see that? You got a picture with the God of War or something like that." So it's like the clueless mom who's mixing up her people. <laughs> like it's, it's actually pretty funny. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, but yeah. I haven't, yeah. I haven't seen the context of it. I just know it happens. Yeah, it's it's the specials. Like it's entertaining enough. I kind of like it. Feels a little low budget, um, and it definitely feels like the thing they just did on the side while making Guardians Three, which the trailer looks amazing for. But. Um, it definitely is capturing kind of the old school vibe of like a Christmas special, like kind of the campiness, a little of the cheesiness, some of the heartwarmingness. Um, and there's actually weirdly, without saying anything, there is a ramification or two for Guardians 3 that comes out of this, like oh actual God. serious plot things. Um, they will probably repeat the ramification. They will probably repeat the revelation in Guardians 3, so it's fine. But like they actually put something in here. I'm like, wow, that actually like besides Cosmo randomly being there, that actually has some – there's actually a few of those now that I think about it. Like even Has where they're Cosmo sort of set up. appeared before in the MCU? He was in the collector's collection in Guardians 1. And that's it. Uh, and now suddenly he – or I think it's a – I think they switched the gender. But anyway, now Cosmo is just part of the team, just like there at their little base at nowhere or whatever. So it's, it's – it's, I mean obviously there's a huge time jump because Guardians 2 was in like 2014. Then, you know, Infinity War – happened and endgame happened and stuff happened and they went with thor and then they left thor so there is a time jump that they're kind of like catching up with so some of that's maybe explained but yeah it was just like cosmos there. i'm like oh sure okay and they never really explain why cosmos there it's just cosmos there so damn only because we're still at marvel i'm just gonna like bring back snap really quick just because yeah, yeah, how, just, yeah. like this mechanic was really cool um i've been using a deck lately that plays itself because of this one card called agatha oh uh, agatha agatha harkness He's yeah, getting a spinoff like, next year on Disney Plus. Anyway, the heck? Huh. Yep. Well, she was the main villain of Vision. Spoilers. I yeah, she's. Yeah, she's. Oh, I remember her yeah. getting Catherine Hahn Beam because of the last episode. Um, <laughs> Spoiler. <she> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, my bad. But um, yeah. Point is, yeah, I just like that because of the digital card game, they could do stuff like this, and they're taking advantage. Obviously, that her gimmick is that she starts at your in your first hand. Like she's always started. She starts in your hand, no matter what. And as long as she's in your hand, she will play cards for you during your turn, and you can't do anything about it. So ideally, you want to get rid of her as soon as possible. But she is like the highest power you can get as far as cost. So you can't even play her until the last turn. So ideally, you would want to play a card that randomly discards cards from your hand or just discards cards from your hand. This will, you know, you get rid of her. And then I saw that um, one of the locations one time was Ego. I guess it's a a Star Lord's dad, you know that one planet. From yeah, he's in he's in the second Guardians. He's the big he's Kurt Russell for the movie exactly. side of things. Yeah. So one of the locations ends up being Ego, and then it starts talking, and then he actually plays the whole game for both people, and you're just kind of like, huh? Do I let this ride and see if the AI will play the game in the right spots, or do I just run away at this point? But hmm. yeah, I thought it was something interesting to mention that there is a mechanic for the game to play itself. I like when games do weird stuff like that. When they're just like, you know what, we're just gonna do is like oddball 
thing that just like the game runs itself or like this random thing happens or you know the stuff where it kind of not like breaks the fourth wall but like does weird things like yes this is a game (laughs) you know exactly but yeah Yeah. saw guardians um you also went to new york i did i did um and did all the new york things which include going to the nintendo store seeing the thanksgiving parade in person seeing some broadway shows uh gang engaged you know the, the works the things you do in new york um yeah um but uh yeah nintendo i got you guys some stuff at nintendo i like how i like just said gang engage is just like dead silence to that but sure um but yeah no (laughs) you guys already knew so yeah yeah no it's fine um yes i got you guys some stuff at nintendo new york uh i would have gotten the listeners some stuff but um i there's a lot of them and i don't know anyone's shirt size but i got you guys some stuff um it's 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 interesting because now that Nintendo is so outward with their merchandising and, like, you know, they have so many license deals and that sort of thing, Nintendo World – this sounds so, like, privileged almost. But, like, Nintendo World used to be so cool to visit because it felt so exclusive. Like, you know, like you go there and there's stuff that's only there. And they still have some only there stuff that says Nintendo New York on it. So that's why I got you guys but and myself. But a lot of the stuff – that's the super cool stuff they sell at Nintendo.com. Like, they have this awesome orange Metroid hoodie that has – you guys have seen it. It has, um, like, an 8-bit Samus visor on the front, and that's it, and it's just orange. Um, I got that on their website, like, two months ago. So I went to Nintendo World or the Nintendo store That was store only two months ago? Maybe three. It might have been three. That was, only, but, that was this year? Yeah, the Metroid hoodie? Yeah, it was, like, end of summer. Um, yeah, the one that we both really wanted and then you got it and I just never got around to it? Yes, that one. That very one. Wow. The one I beat you to. I think that's like August or September, but either way, maybe, maybe actually, you know what? No, I'm wrong. It was, it was going into summer. It was in like May. And I realized that because I remember thinking, oh, it's hot now. I'm never going to wear this. But yes, it was this year. It was still still this year though. It's still this year. But anyway, so they have that. They have like some of the Pikmin merch. Like they have cool stuff, but it's also readily available elsewhere. So when I went there, it's kind of like, oh, there's like one shelf of cool stuff and the rest I can (laughs) just buy anywhere. Well, not pointless, but, like, I feel like this sounds so, like, I mean, coming from such, like, a privilege of being able to have gone to Nintendo New York for so many years and having Super Nintendo World opening here in L.A. soon. But I feel like the merch store at Super Nintendo World with all the exclusive stuff that they're only going to sell there is going to be, for me, what the pilgrimage to um, Nintendo New York was like uh, for so many years. And I haven't been in, like, eight years, so it's just kind of interesting to see it sort of. So the novelty of a Nintendo store you're saying has just been completely lost on you? Uh, not completely you know, lost, but definitely or it it or did, like, wow, it didn't getting sad being in here. Okay, I definitely didn't get sad. I was still running around like a kid in a candy store. Um, but it definitely it was harder for me to decide what I want to buy because the stuff that was really cool I already could buy through other means, and then the exclusive stuff was just like, ah, all right, it's a shirt that says Nintendo New York, I guess. So. Not a knock against the store. It's still really cool to have that all in one place. They still have some really cool displays. They had like a full-size splatter shot from Splatoon 3, which I think was just a Nerf gun they scratched the logo off of, like a super soaker. Um, but they still have like a cool display with all the Amiibo ever released, including the, Jap- the Japan-only ones. They have like a little mini museum that had even systems like the Player Choice 10 and stuff. So that, that was all cool to see. But like it didn't have the same oomph because Nintendo's broadened their, mark- their IP licensing so much since. Mm-hmm. So, But it's still worth, it's still worth going if you've never been. Uh, it's still, there is still cool stuff. It's just, yeah, it's more accessible now, which is, it was like the monkey's paw because I always wanted that stuff to be more accessible because I couldn't always go to New York. But now that it is more accessible, when I go to New York, I'm like, oh, there it is again. Okay. So <laughs> it's like a weird, you know, but it was a fun trip. It was a fun trip. Um, yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. 
Yeah. Gonna go again soon? Two years? No, when probably not. We, there's no... Again? No, it was a tradition because I had family out there. There is no family out there anymore, so probably gonna do other travels elsewhere in the world. It's just it's been so long since we went to New York that it felt right to, you know, go back finally, so... And do the Macy's mm-hmm. Parade and things but like Jason, that. Those two series has definitely been quiet for a while. <laughs> has it? I feel like I was in Vegas the month prior, and I was in Seattle oh, no, two I months prior. Like, <laughs> outside, like, I, I was main. I was referring more on the Conan goes or the Conan does, like you know. Oh, other like companies. the tr- world like, travel. Yeah, you, you've like definitely the been Conan, going to Jason places. without borders. Yes. yes. Yeah, because you've been to. I mean, you did Africa at some point, and you did Australia. What felt like the year before, the year after. Or maybe yeah, I was doing. Before. It went London. God, I feel like I'm just bragging about trips. It went London one year, South Africa the next, Japan the next, Australia the next. Took off 2019, then COVID hit. So, oh, and then but then during COVID, like summer 21, I went down to Mexico for the first time. So I guess that kind of counts. Is a drive, yeah. not a plane, but it still counts. Yeah. So. One day we'll take you to like the more Mexico part of Mexico. Oh yeah, I was like the right at the edge. Yeah, I was barely. It was just like a little resort town thing. Yeah. So. I'd be down to the, the, the Mexico with the yellow filter on it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yes, it's, it's very wow. much like Mexico through the lens of yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, it's just like Breaking Bad. It's crazy. Yep, and every other show, even uh, even Cobra Kai did it. I noticed they went down to Mexico and they just yellow filtered the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I need to call my cousins and say like, is it really still like that? The guy can't. <laughs> did your guys' just perpetual sandstorm end? Is it not yellow anymore? What's going on? Yeah. What about you, Kevin? We definitely heard a, a lot from Jason. Seems to have been coming down from a nice little vacation. I mean, you had, yeah, seems like you've been playing a lot of Snap as well. But I guess you've been playing something else, watching stuff, chilling. Watching. Oh, I've been, I've just been playing a lot of Snap for sure. Uh, it's probably the game that I played Snap the most. Uh, it's probably the game that I played the most these since we last uh, had a podcast together. Damn, Jason got a snap too. I did happen to catch, um, just because you know I sometimes lurk in that um, one chat of yours and my brothers. Um, it's weird because I know I'm in it, but I still feel like really like somewhat detached from it. Like I think I posted maybe once in a while. But so I you're, you're like a that. moderator for the chat. You don't engage. It so <laughs> no, not even. I, I don't know why I was <laughs> out of there. At, at some point, I was just out of there. I think um, it was just like relevant for something, and then. I don't know. I mean, I got an official nickname. I won't say what it is because I don't think I, I can. Oh, no. I think mine is okay. Anyway, yeah. um, I, did see, I did see like an image that was shared. I guess like you guys had a, a I guess we'll call it like a snap land party that you seemed. I just thought like, oh, man, that's super cool. We oh, play. yeah. We just, yeah. You were, Wait, we were just sitting side by side in one place playing snap. Yeah, it was just a screenshot of like everyone's like, you know, screen share. And it was just like snap oh oh i think kevin you tweeted that too didn't you the, yeah, the Zoom snap. Well. yeah 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 that looked fun yeah that, that, was, that was really fun we were uh we were was drinking my brother too. just sitting there or he just wasn't part of it at all no he, he wasn't there it was just it was just three of us mm-hmm. um basically what we were doing is we were taking turns playing snap on pc and yeah. um if we won cool if we lost all three of us if if like <clears throat> If the person who was playing lost, we all three had to take a shot. Oh damn! So <laughs> any snap rules? Uh, no, no snap rules. Oh, I think it was like if you snap and you lose, you are the only one that's gonna take a shot. Uh, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, that was a lot of fun. Uh, what if you? What, but what if you snap and they snap and you win? Like, does everyone but you take a shot at that point? 
No, we didn't get to, to that nitty gritty of it. <laughs> um, but what was funny was eventually we we just we just kept winning, so we had a new rule that like, okay, if we go, uh, two rounds, which would be like, if we go six games without Five losing, minutes. we got it. We got to take a shot. Damn. Oh, that's right. That's that way, that way, we're not just waiting to lose essentially. Mm-hmm. Um. We, but yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds fun. But yeah. yeah. Well, let's see what we got on the docket. And I got one. They they, they all say Jason on them. But Do they? Well, one's um, a group, but I got one. That I, I well, I don't even know if this one's just me. Um, Kevin, did you end yeah. up buying in the end Pokemon Scarlet and Violet or Violet? You didn't. Did you? No, not after not after the disaster that is the performance of that game. Yeah. So. Um, do you just talk about that? Because I, I have a lot to say about that. Because I think there's like two. But, so first of all, like for a podcast that still covers Nintendo, like this is for sure the big new thing on the Nintendo scene, right? Like big flagship holiday game, first truly open world Pokemon game. Uh, maybe most importantly, home of a cornucopia of great punny names for new Pokemon. I mean, we know Fido and Smoliv, but there are some hidden gems. I don't know if you guys know. Nintendo kept some secret till after launch. There's a pair of mice named. Tandem mouse who evolve into a set of four mice named Mousehold, and like if I were to rate a game based on puns, that is a ten out of ten game of the year right there. Like saved you three hours and millions of dollars for your award show, Jeff Keighley. Like that's it, shut it down. That one. But seriously, I do feel like yeah, there's a lot going on around Pokemon because of the performance issues and because of the bugginess and all that. Um, I what did you think about Mousehold though. Yeah, I do find it. I don't know if they've done it every generation, but for some reason it feels like they've been ramping up their. What if it's a Pokemon? More of but the it's same. Just a bunch of the same one, like Phalanx, what yeah. I think the one from the last gen, which was just a bunch of the little Marvin the Martian heads. Right. And I mean, they've done it since Doug Trio. In oh, the yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, well, they, I mean, that same gen they had Execute. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it's Actually, just, I, I, I mean, conceptually it feels a little lazy and in execution they look a little like the singing choir boys from um, Rhythm Heaven just with mouse ears. So it's kind of like, okay. But the name is so good. So yeah. good. But um, but yeah, I did get so... all the Pokemon designs, so pretty pretty happy with them. I like the final evolution of Quaxley. He reminds me of like Big Bird's exotic cousin. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a good way to put it. There was a bug I saw. I don't remember if it was a final evolution or second form, but there was a bug I saw where basically Quaxley's evolution was doing like this weird two step thing, kind of like shaking its hips, and it was glitching out to just do that. And it <laughs> did have the exotic Big Bird cousin vibe, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I still did buy uh, Violet on day one. Um, and I am relatively early in the game. Uh, I think the fact that I was in New York for that week doing touristy things and then I came back and needed to catch up with everything. Like, obviously, not only do I not play Snap, but I, it's not the most conducive for pouring dozens of hours into Pokemon Violet either. But I do absolutely have some early thoughts of what I have played. And I think I think the thing about Violet and Scarlet is um, it's really kind of a conversation about two different almost competing aspects of the release because on the one side you've got like the game you know like conceptually what they're saying out to do how well the gameplay systems work what the whole open world thing feels like but then on the other side you've got this discourse and reality around it being just really buggy and having performance issues you know too much for the switch to handle some are arguing and in some folks minds that's just cutting the knees off the entire of the entire experience like you know yeah. the hardware limitations are holding it back so it's it's, it's kind of thing that like one of us powered through and then one of us 
chose the performance to be what stopped us because that kind of does reflect exactly the two like parallel tracks of conversation happening around this game I feel like um, so for me what's been interesting is if you go um, if you go online and you look at really any of the discussion around the game it is about the bugs which is understandable absolutely but what, what what's kind of interesting about that is that it's burying in my mind like what sucks about it is that it's burying the fact well what sucks beyond the bugs themselves because let's be fair the bugs aren't great but uh beyond that what sucks is it's burying the gameplay like the ideas the evolution of what a core pokemon game is like that stuff has been great from what i've experienced so far i i remember back when um pokemon legends came out you know all the way 11 months ago can't believe that was still this year but um you know i was saying to you guys on a lot of episodes something i say pretty often which is i love the idea of like a living breathing pokemon world I thought Legends was so cool for that reason. It's, you know, my favorite aspect of, like, the Detective Pikachu movie. It's why, um, you know, it's why I think as Pokemon has moved beyond its regular formula, it works so well. Because for the first 20 years or so, everything about Pokemon was really, like, rigid. Like, even the anime, like, Ash followed the linear path of the games. Like, so starting to now show this world as having all these, like, facets that operate on their own and stuff. It's super cool conceptually to me. And I've wanted them to do it for so long. And they've been inching in that direction. So what I've really been enjoying with my time with Violet so far is it is you know seeing a lot of the things I loved about Legends now actually being applied to the core Pokemon RPG. A lot of that more kind of real world vibe. I mean that in every sense, including the littlest ways, like um, how you you could just be walking around outside in a city or in like the open world areas, and you'll see clusters of a type of Pokemon doing stuff together in their habitat. Um, That's a fun thing in Legends. It's here too again. Uh, or one thing I've really liked, as small as it is, is when you jump into battle, you're not whisked away to another screen. It's right there where you were in the environment. And the other wild Pokemon in the area, they're still there, and they'll sometimes react. Like, sometimes they'll come watch. Like, my very first wild Pokemon battle, um, a Hoppip came flying over from, like, out of nowhere to come watch the battle. And I just thought that was such a cool little touch. Or sometimes they'll just be, you know, minding their own business and walking by. Other times, actually, they get skittish and run away. Like, the Pokemon's temperament... Stop. Hop it. What? The, for him to come and just like watch a fellow Pokemon get slaughtered? Yeah. Well. Yeah. I think nature's 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 pretty dark. And you would assume like anything dark. Pokemon would be like, oh man, there's some capturing going on. I need to kind of get away from this area. But they're like, no, I like no. This. He came. He came with a big old smile yeah, and just like had a, floated in and just cheering. Like, you know, owed him some money or like did him wrong in the past and they're like, ah, yes, I need to. I, I yeah. need to enjoy this. <laughs> I'd say he was rubbing his little hands together, but I don't think he can touch his two hands. They're too far apart on his body. But yes. Um, but yeah, and, and but that whole thing, like the different Pokemon reacting differently even to battles, like Pokemon's temperament was something that Legends experimented with, uh, you know, as you walked around the overworld. So it's now, seeing it now happen around the battles, just, it was a cool touch to me. And there have been multiple times that I've noticed a Pokemon I didn't know was in the area, like a new Pokemon, was like walking by or in the background of the battle or running away or something. And that actually sidetracked me. So, like, instead of just finishing the battle and going on with what I was planning to do, I was like, oh, well, what's that Pokemon? I need to go find him. So, it, it actually had, like, real gameplay impact, something so small, which was kind of interesting. Um, and zooming out to bigger things than just little Pokemon animations when you battle, I think the fact that, like, Scarred and Violet becomes less linear than even Legends is pretty cool in capturing, like, the free spirit of you just doing what you want in a world of Pokemon. Because with Legends, like, you still unlock area by area in a single story. And you can choose, you know, they'll be like, oh, here's area A, B, or C. Pick which one you don't want to do first. But it's still sort of sliced up in that way. 
Um, here you've got what was once kind of the single intertwined story of past games with like gym leaders and a typical Team Rocket type enemy. Now those plus this treasure hunt thing are three separate aspects of the world. And you can choose what you want to do whenever and really just bounce around. Like it doesn't have structure like it used to have, which is kind of nice. Plus there's this other set of systems that are kind of interwoven between those. Um, the fact that you can now craft your own TMs using elements of Pokemon you encounter, like feathers or fur, that's uh, one way to, I think, pretty cleverly actually reward whatever your gameplay style is. So for me, uh, I'm really big on right now trying to catch every single Pokemon. Uh, I'm probably spending way too much time in the early game going to every nook and cranny of the environment, but like the new Pokedex looks really cool. There's these neat like cover photos for each Pokemon as you add them to your collection. They're all presented like a bookcase. It's, it's really slick. But um, in doing that, I'm getting all these items to build TMs, and I can actually start really kind of bulking up my team how I want with the moves I want early on through this method. And, you know, so that's me collecting Pokemon and bulk up my team that way versus, say, a person who may be playing more competitively, maybe someone more in the lane of, like, how you like to play Angel or something. Maybe it's not about grinding out all the wild Pokemon, but going gym to gym or battling Team Star or whatever, and you won't get the crafting materials that way because you only get those from wild Pokemon. But you will probably level up your Pokemon more aggressively and be able to get similar moves through that heavier amount of XP you're accumulating through these heftier battles with multiple trainers and gym leaders and that sort of thing. And if this plays out how I think it is as I progress through the game, um, it's essentially two approaches to the same outcome when there only used to be one. Like, I think it goes to show how Scar and Violet, in their underlying mechanics, are able to really sort of free up the experience and let you kind of forge your own path. Like, be it on the same, be it, you know, you're doing it the same way you've always done and you're just leveling up by finding gyms or you want to go catch a bunch of wild Pokemon but you don't have to grind as much because now you can get all these TMs as you go. Um, it, it's putting everyone on the same footing however they choose to play, which is, a, at least in theory, which is especially helpful given all the co-op stuff you can do. So I thought that was really clever and something they didn't really touch on when they were promoting the game. They mentioned you could build TMs, but the way it kind of, like, lets you level up a separate way than just doing the gym stuff I thought was actually really cool. Um, I feel like I'm a little too early in the game to discuss anything beyond these sort of mechanics I'm discovering and enjoying. Um... I don't know if the Victory Road gym system ultimately will feel any different than what's come before or where this whole school thing is going. Like, there's this light socialization system with your teachers that earns you rewards should you wish to do it. It kind of gives me vibes like uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses or maybe even like a Persona thing, kind of. Uh, and I, you know, never mind Terraforms and all that jazz with battling, um, which I feel like I definitely need to sink my teeth into more. But high level, there's just a lot of cool stuff I think Scar and Violet's underlying gameplay systems are doing that's different and, and fun. But there's also, to be fair, uh, not even talking bugs, there's also some stuff I don't like as much. Um, I already miss some of the quality of life improvements that came from Legends. Uh, little things like not having to uh, is it be fair stopped. to compare it to Legends? Because, man, Legends wasn't a mainline Pokemon game. I feel like, well, the problem is, there. the problem is they're picking up and plopping down some stuff straight out of Legends. So it's hard to I'm not right. do the comparison. But you're right. Technically, it's a spinoff. But I feel like Legends did so much right. That's kind of weird to see them go backwards a little. Like, um, one that's really minor. I don't know why. So Legends, you're walking around. You're po you finish a battle. Your Pokemon evolves. It just gives you a little notification as you're walking around. This one, your Pokemon evolves. The whole show stops. And it has to show you the little animation. And it's such a minor thing. But it was so streamlined. And they still kept the streamlining of, like, telling you when Pokemon level up, 
of experience points, like all that stuff. They still keep the little notifications from Legends, but Evolution, right? No, 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 no. You need to stop what you're doing and pay attention to your little Pidgey evolving or whatever. Um, which is again, it's small, but I was just like, why, why go backwards on that? Similarly, um, I did kind of, and this one maybe is more your point. I did really like in Legends the faster pace of just lobbing Pokeballs at Pokemon instead of needing to always launch into turn-based battles. I'd be cool with that coming back in Scarlet and Violet. Um, they try to capture a little of that streamlining with this automated battle mechanic called Let's Go, where if you press, I think, ZR or R, one of the shoulders, um, you can send out the first member of your party. They run around the area near you. They grab items like in Legends, which is great. Uh, but they also battle nearby Pokemon automatically for you, which, yeah, it's cool. But so far, I've unintentionally missed out on multiple new Pokemon I needed to add to my Pokedex because there went my Quaxley, you know, knocking them out without a second thought. Uh, so while it does streamline the grind of leveling up, it doesn't quite as even-handedly benefit the players who want to actually catch them all, which kind of, I feel like, flies in the face of what I was saying before about how there are all these other gameplay systems in Scarlet and Violet that are all about, like, balancing the varying play styles and gameplay goals and however you want to play. Like, they have this even-keeled sort of approach. Yet this one sort of... <laughs> this one kind of flies in the face of that. So, I mean, even if they just, like... I don't know. if you Let's say there's a new Pokemon. Maybe instead of your Pokemon automatically fine. Maybe a, a, there's an alert that pops up in the corner and says something like, you know, Quaxley found a new Pokemon, Iglybuff, press ZR to jump into battle, or like something like that. That'd bring back the kind of even-handedness that the rest of the game is doing so well. So maybe maybe in a future patch they could do that. Um, I also think that some holdovers from Legends just feel weird here, because again, I know we're not supposed to compare them one-to-one, but like... You can crouch in this game and sneak up on Pokemon just like you can in Legends. Like, it's the same animation even. Um, and the main goal in Legends was you could do that uh, to creep up on Pokemon, throw a, po- uh, throw a Pokeball at them, catch them easily. If, they're, if they don't see you coming, it's easier to catch. Here, it's just you get the first hit, and it's a little bit stronger, I guess, in the turn-based battle. Like, kind of like a typical RPG or like what Tails does when you, like, creep up on Ami. Which, sure, like, there's nothing wrong with that bigger hits are nice but it doesn't feel as important of a move even though it's lifted straight out of legends and where it was important and i don't know i just find myself it's easier to just run up to a pokemon full speed and just do one extra hit in battle than to like sit there and creep through the grass and avoid and uh, yeah so i don't know that that one's kind of a weird one where it feels like they weren't quite sure how to adapt it over um well the other holdovers i think would have been nice to not experience here is a little of the sparseness of the overall world. Um, Pokemon, much like in Legends, will spawn in spots where they do stuff together and have behavioral traits, but there's there's a fair amount of emptiness here. Uh, it's not just emptiness in Pokemon, but like visually speaking, if you look at the open world of like Xenoblade or something like that that's also on Switch and compare it to this, they look like they're on entirely different generations of hardware. There's like some really great texture work, surprisingly, on the Pokemon themselves, which I didn't expect, and the saves have some cool looks to them, but... A lot of the open world is really simple geometry, really bland textures. Like, yeah, it kind of it the the way the Pokemon engage and interact with another is keeping that kind of like Pokemon world vibe alive for me. But there's de- it's definitely not the prettiest of games by any mean by any means, which um, I guess does make this a good transition point to the other side of the conversation with Scarlet and Violet, which is what stopped you from getting it, Kevin, the bugginess, right? So. Um, so you, Kevin, you held off on getting just because you heard like performance, like it crashed, it chugged, it wasn't worth the playtime. Yep, mainly uh, because <laughs> I'm gonna piss off hmm. a lot of people by saying this. 
do it. I'm tired of uh, Nintendo getting a free pass. And I was talking to some friends over dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking about, like, they don't really have an incentive to make the games perform good. Uh, because yeah. they know that they will uh, eat whatever slop they're given. Uh, <laughs> I see how you're runs, the panda. <laughs> this game runs like crap, and yet it's still, what, the best-selling Pokemon yeah. in forever? The yeah. Best-selling, so, fastest-selling Nintendo game of all time. Yeah. I'm voting with my wallet. Uh, I know it's not going to make any changes, but no, I, I absolutely refuse to support something like this, especially that, if I I, think that's you have fair. the highest-grossing franchise in the history of anything and you just don't want to make the game run good yeah it's i I will say my first-hand experience up front like i should be clear i haven't had the worst experience of what people are saying so what i'm gonna come in with is not as severe as what some people like i've had frame rate dips and some light chugging uh, I've had textures drop every so often. I've had a few clippings of characters. A this lot is of Pokemon. That shouldn't happen at all. I know. I know. Oh, but, oh. Uh, the thing that I haven't had, though, no crashes, no collision detection issues that impact gameplay, nothing on that scale. And I think as we do talk about this, it is worth at least mentioning Nintendo did put out a patch and the tiniest apology, like the tiniest, like literally a sentence in a support page that apologizes uh, back on December 1st a couple days ago. So... They're kind of trying to address it, I get. But but what bothers me, which is kind of in line with what you're saying, what bothers me most about this is that it happened at all. Like, I feel like what you're saying about, you know, fans will buy up whatever slot Nintendo puts out. Yeah, in terms of the content, but I feel like in terms of technical standards, like, they have a high standard for the performance of their games, traditionally speaking. And Game Freak, you know, they have the reputation of their games not being the most technologically advanced or leveraging the full potential of the hardware, but never... Until now, has a game from Game Freak or Nintendo, I think, actively been this broken, for lack of a better word. Like, they'd be simple, they'd be bare bones, they'd be functional. Like, even Legends, it was sparse, but it ran relatively well. So this was like a new frontier, if you will, in terms of the sinking of what you get when you buy a Nintendo game. Um, And I I do have a few thoughts, because I also, I didn't talk about it over dinner with friends, but I've been stewing on this while sitting on an airplane for six hours in two directions and i have a few thoughts on how maybe we got here and one big concern about where it will take us um i think in terms of why it happened it really feels to me like scar and violet was this kind of clutch release for nintendo this year this isn't excusing it at all this is just maybe how we got here um because they already lost zelda that was delayed till may uh as you guys may have seen on twitter i noted that this is the first december since 2013 where nowhere in the world is nintendo releasing a new first party game in October, there wasn't really a major first-party release. There's Mario and Rabbids, which is a spinoff. There's Bayonetta, which can do well enough. But there was no, like, big holiday blockbuster. Splatoon could have been a big holiday blockbuster Blockbuster if they saved it in Japan, and it would have killed it there. But, like, outside Japan, it's not at the scale of a Mario, a Zelda, a Pokemon. So Nintendo, like the company, needed this. Like, this game, regardless of what the developers needed or what resources were available or what timeline they needed to polish it up, from Nintendo's business business speaking, Nintendo basically had to launch when they did. Like, they didn't have an option in their mind, it seems. Um, and Nintendo's already, you know, if you look at the rest of their holiday, they're already trying to augment what is a light holiday lineup by hanging us with a bunch of DLC for existing games to give them a boost. You know, we got Chill Season in Splatoon this past week. We got Golf and Switch Sports this past week. This coming week, we get Wave 3 of the Mario Kart 8 
booster course pass. Like there's a lot of stuff coming down the pipe, but those can't carry a holiday by themselves because they'll sell to a general population at this point, but they already sold so many copies into a very crucial existing audience, the day oneers, the diehards, the core gamers. Like Nintendo needed something to sell to them and all the buzz that then comes with that hot new release that sort of has a trickle-down effect. You know, the, the hot new game every kid was going to be talking about at school in December and then get for Christmas. Like, new tracks in Mario Kart are not that. Golf and Switch Sports, they're marketing it to families and literally grandparents, I've noticed. So that's not the one. Uh, Chill Season and Splatoon, that's just riding the marketing hype-building campaign they've been doing for months now. They needed newness. They, for better or worse, needed Pokemon. And... Like you said, Ken, sure enough, they did get what they want because Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, uh, fastest selling Nintendo game in history, 10 million copies in three days, over 10 million in three days. But now there's this weird caveat of it being the buggiest game probably in Nintendo history as well, at least at launch. Um, and looking at how like Nintendo now views so many of their releases, not as like finished products, but as sort of like foundation to build on, I, I, I'm a little concerned. Like I can't help but wonder what this might mean for the bugginess of other games in the future. Like, to elaborate on that a bit, um, we've talked so much over the years, and you sort of summed it up with the word slop, Kevin, but we've talked so much over the years on the old round Nintendo about how Nintendo re release a game with less content and then augment it later, right? Like the Splatoons of the World, ARMS, the Mario Sports games, uh, Switch Sports. It's it's a riff on the game of from the Game of Service playbook, but for full price releases. It works well for Nintendo. They keep selling games at high numbers and keep pulling this off. Uh, and then, you know, that gets all the early adopters on board with the initial sales and they use updates or DLC uh, to sort of give the game a boost or receive sales from like a secondary general population later. It lets them fill gaps in their lineup. It uh, keeps everyone relatively happy because all the day one ad adopters are now getting free new content. So like it, it kind of balances out and it kind of works. But my concern is that up to this point, they experimented with this idea with content but with Scarlet and Violet, um, it wasn't unfinished in terms of content. It was unfinished in terms of like quality assurance, in terms of performance. And even then, like when the review scores came out and were being dragged down, not due to anything wrong with the concepts of the game, but the bugginess, or even with like the initial conversation online focusing entirely on the bugginess in a way I don't recall any other Nintendo game experiencing ever. Um, even with all that, still the fastest selling Nintendo games of all time, right? And um, for the broader audience, you know, the little Timmies sharing all their hype on the schoolyard about getting Scar and Violet for Christmas, when it pops up under the tree layer this month, guess what? It's mostly fixed. There's going to be at least one, maybe two patches by then. Like, Nintendo's going to fix the bugs. So my jaded thought is Nintendo has already comfortably adopted a model of releasing, from a content perspective, unfinished games that will fill out their lineup and fans will snatch up early on and everything, like, chugs along. If they had such runaway success with Scar and Violet, even with the bugs for the first few weeks, will Nintendo find that they can, from a game performance perspective, also get away with unfinished releases and just patch them a little later? Because that, that's a slippery slope. And I, I don't think every game will suffer from this going forward by any means. But there's, you know, a marquee holiday game, and it's a little buggy. Will Nintendo let that slide in a way they didn't before? Is their perspective on what requires a delay or requires, you know, the Miyamoto quote to be put into action of, a, a, you know, a bad game is bad forever or whatever. Is that going to shift? Is that quote no longer accurate because you can just patch things? Bad games won't be bad forever. You can patch them. So that's kind of the, the real concern I have with the buggy. It's not so much the experience because, like I said, it hasn't crashed on me. It hasn't been too detrimental of a play experience for me yet. 
Violet. But the fact that it was for people and Nintendo sort of powered through and then had such good sales, it, like I said, it's a slippery slope. Um, I don't know. I, I, I do, do actually, though. Fuck that. They have <laughs> so much money in the bank. So much money in the bank that you are just going to let that. Oh, it's so. I mean, I'm not letting it slide. That's my path. whole. That's my whole point. I think. I think we're going to get into a weird because I think. I do think if they were to continue down this road, there's a lot of factors that they're going to have to assess for them to decide if it's worth continuing down the road. Like, what is the longer tail of Scarlet and Violet sales after that first weekend? Like, did it drop off faster because of the bad bug situation? Is there going to be a rebound after the Spoiler, patches? Probably not. Probably not. Exactly. Uh, I would – I just – I don't know. I would bet – I just – I can't – yeah. I would bet the, – the conversation that we're having now – uh, will Nintendo try this again in light of what happened? That doesn't seem like a conversation that even was possible like a couple years ago. And that's what's weird to me. You know what I mean? Like to even be thinking that such a, that they could do a similar move in the future and it could be feasible is a thought Nintendo never had the opportunity to consider before because they had that higher standard. And because they let that slip and now they have this reality, it's like, well, are they going to keep, keep doing that? Like, because you're right. You spoke with your wallet, Kevin. 10 million people myself included, uh, didn't. So, I don't know. It's Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, we'll see. I, I do think if you really want to go down this rabbit hole, you can open up a whole other conversation about if Nintendo allows bugginess to become more common and the bugs hurt a game's sales and that game does something innovative or adventurous, will Nintendo have the wrong takeaway and assume it's the gameplay idea, not the bugs that are to blame for future failures? I mean, that, again, that's way, that's a super hypothetical road to go down. Um, so I hope we don't get there, but I, I never had that thought. I never had the thought. Like, one of Nintendo's shining things is they always, performance-wise, put out really good stuff. Content-wise, it's been, you know, there's been that debate for years since the Wii U. But um, performance-wise, we've had, like, quality releases. There'd be a bug at most here or there that they'd have to patch. Like Splatoon. Chill season. There's a bug in version 2.0. Two of the weapons behave weird. They're patching it. Okay, that just slips through QA. Not the end of the world. It's one thing. They're patching it quickly. But, like, the whole game, that's new for them. So I don't know. We'll see. I'm enjoy I'm enjoying my time with Scar and Via. I just would probably like it more if it wasn't buggy. You know? So Yeah. Yeah, it's there a weird conversation to have. Yeah, it doesn't help that I was already on the fence on getting it and definitely leaning more on the side of not getting it. Not because I don't know anything necessarily with Pokemon, because I do like Pokemon, but you know, just time and energy to like invest in the game. And right. honestly, I don't even know if I'd go full battle anymore. I just think that time has passed now. Like, it's there's too many other things I want to dedicate to. And I still want to continue to play Smash Brothers. So, you know, you kind of pick the hill you die on. And... Don't even start me with that, because I'll jump. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, hearing oh, about... Oh, uh, World Tour? Yeah. But hearing about, like, these issues, like, definitely made me go, like, oh, okay, I, I, I can definitely wait. Like, waiting is easy for a game. But then... You get into the other situation where it's a Pokemon game. And I don't know, even if I don't play with other... I wouldn't be playing with other people directly. You know, it'd be online or something. Jumping into a Pokemon game a year later is ridiculously hard. Like, I was so sure I was going to get Sword and Shield when the DLC launched. Because I just wasn't really quite ready to get out of my hiatus. Like, I still felt a little burned out by Pokemon. Just gameplay-wise, collecting-wise, that never really stopped. Um, but yeah, the DLC came out. And for some reason, it just felt like, you know what, I, I just don't really have the mental energy to beat the first campaign and then get through the DLC. 
Like, I just couldn't really do it. So even though I'm saying now, like, oh, I'll wait for the patches to work out, you know, for the game to get patched up, maybe get it next year, but next year's going to roll around, and there's going to be There'll other be another games. Pokemon game. Yeah, there's going to be another Pokemon, Pokemon game. game, or there's going to be other <laughs> games that I'm playing, and I basically just have to accept that, yeah, if you don't really get... If you're remotely a fan of Pokemon, I feel like if you don't get it, like, the first couple, you know, around the launch window, there's a good chance you're just not going to get it. I'm sure there's exceptions, obviously. Hardcore people are still going to get it no matter what, but... Well, the hardcore people, are get day one no matter yeah, what. Yeah, but, but the people like Except me that are like, yeah. you know, they're still kind of like, you know, they enjoy it enough. It's just more like, like oh, I'll get it if, you know, I have time. But, yeah, they might lose a decent chunk of people. But Yeah, I'm really curious what the longer tail sales are going to be. Especially the people now. Like, some of those hardcore, I know for a fact, are now probably just going to wait a little bit. They're still going to buy it. Like, they're still going to have those same hardcore people buy the game. Except it just won't be like day one purchases. You might just be more... Week two purchased it or something like that. But even then, like day one versus week two, the patch took three weeks, which is still very quick. The game's been out for three weeks? You know, it came out the 18th. It's now oh, December. This goes up December 4th. Or maybe it's two weeks. Can I, ma- can I not math? Hold on. Let me try and math this. It's two to three weeks. Yeah. I'm sure you're right, but yeah, time is just going different. Yeah, it came out the 18th. Then there's the 25th. Then we're, Okay, we're just over two weeks, actually. Yeah. Okay, so... I, mean, I, no. I think that the threshold, so to speak, is Christmas. January, what Scarlet and Violet does in January is going to be. Like, how many of these holdouts that you know in January are going to be like, well, now that's patched, let me hop in. How many in March? How many in May? How many in summer? Like, it's it's going to dwindle. And it, I think that's the other weird thing about this is Pokemon is so atypical for Nintendo because they don't do annual franchises except Pokemon. Um, so, like, if they did do a buggy release of something – with another game, in theory, they could kind of relaunch it, do some patches, put out some new content, kind of do a 2.0 launch. You know, kind of Wii U to switch it, so to speak, like the way that Switch is kind of like a Wii U 2.0 and they kind of addressed everything. Um, you can't do that when they're pumping out the games yearly, more frequently than yearly. I mean, it was 11 months between Legends and Scarlet and Violet. So it's a weird – they have put themselves in a weird spot, Nintendo. And that it's, it's a spot I didn't think we'd – like I just want the seal quality back. That's all. Like, like I'm hopeful as I continue to play Violet. Races, yeah. yeah, possibly. And I'm, I'm hopeful as I continue to play Violet I mean, that the patches will bring it back up to them. They were making but... way too many shows that they said they had to cut back. Or at least, like, not long well, that, that's Well, that's all streaming right now because they were trying to get as many subscribers as they could at a cutthroat price. And they'd pump out as much content as they could. And then once they lock them in, they're like, oh, well, we need to raise the price and scale back because we're burning money like crazy. Yeah. So... Um. Yeah. So I mean, we'll we'll see. I, I again, I, it's weird because like I am really enjoying my time with Violet. It's just like what it means for Nintendo. Is so like, mm, yeah. Yeah. Well, what a shame. We'll see. But that I mean, said, yeah. I mean, great I, Pokemon name puns. House mouse mouse house. You know. Yeah, there are a couple birds <laughs> that I kind of like. Um. And when I go to Japan, I'm probably going to check out some of their plushies. Like, I know there's, like, one bird with a pompadour. Is he, like, a greaser or something? Mm, yeah, I know who you're talking about. I forgot his name, though. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he has a good pun name. If it does, I'm just forgetting. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, if it did, you would remember. Um, right, right. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess that came out this year. Kevin DeVarcius came out this year as well. Like, that game was That's what's I crazy mean, so That was me. February. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess, being a game that came out this year, I mean, we have Game Awards coming out next week, which... For the first time in a while, I'm actually going to be, like, attending because, you know, I kind of have to. Like, I, it'd be weird for me to... Wait, you're going to be there? 
Yeah. You're going? I'm going. I'm going as public. You're probably going as developer. But um, we should, like, wave from afar or say hi. Maybe. Or you can ignore me completely because you're with your cool San Marcos studio friends. But, no, yeah, we, we're just going as public. We just we bought our tickets as a group. Wait, Sony didn't hook you up? <laughs> didn't get you tickets? <laughs> I mean, I guess it makes sense. They have so many people they could give tickets to, and it, the theater only seats, like, 3,000. So that makes sense, actually. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, we'll be there. There'll be game announcements. There's going to be a lot of world premieres. They're going to feel like there's going to need to be a world premiere. And then there might be some that <laughs> actually feel like, whoa, they somehow still have a Smash Reveal character. I mean, that would be great. Yeah, it's like five years late. Also, um, breaking news as of this recording, there will be a Muppet. Animal will be presenting at this year's awards. He mm. took a break from the Muppets the last couple of years, but it's been the Muppets are fun. So Yeah, I do like the Muppets, so that already makes it worth yeah. it. Because usually I haven't attended the last two or three. I've just been kind of watching them online. But, you know, if there's any other cool performance as well, that would also be pretty cool. I mean, usually those are neat. But yeah, they, they well they announced. Oh, you, here's one you'll appreciate. Uh, Hosier, or have you say his name, and Bear McCreary are doing a song from God of War, live. So there you go. Oh, so. Well, there you go. Already super awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, someone has a list, right, of like the nominees. Let's see if we can. Oh yeah. Do you want to like do predictions? Yeah, um, yes, do. I could pull up a list. I think I. Or Kevin, do you want to pull up a list? Do you have a do list? Do we have like, a usually... marker of how we did last? Time? I don't have it. Be it individually or as a group. Uh, um, it's probably the talk that I deleted, like, immediately. I should probably keep a hold of this. <laughs> yeah, I have a list of the nominees if you want me to just read them off. All right. we we'll, just, we'll just assume that I got first place and you and Kevin tied for second. That sounds wrong, but there's no way to prove it, so okay. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> All right, so that is our current standing. I mean, how do I argue that? It's just like, well, I'm going to say I was first and you guys tied. Like, we have no evidence, so. I mean, All right, you, so you, obviously, you, Angel, you have to... Abs- I'll go for it. Sorry, no. go ahead. I was going to say, you could debate, you can just debate it and we just have to go like, fine, we'll just like call it a blank slate because we can't prove anything, but it's too late now. You know, I, I'm throwing you a bone. Thank you. I'm feeling nice. I mean, I'm sure you, you two will catch <laughs> um, up soon enough, but yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, Kevin, you said you did not have a list, right? No. Okay, good, because I do. All right, so Angel, you have to abstain from God of War. So for anything with God of War, you have to pick something that isn't God of War because you have, um, you know, Fair some, enough. some, yeah. So, all right, for Game of the Year, gentlemen. The nominees are. A We're starting with Game of the Year. I'm just going down the list. Uh, maybe, fine, we'll do everything. But okay, fine. The list started with Game of the Year. All right, for best game director. I feel like I'm doing this the wrong way. Let me go from the. You can also skip categories. almost all the esports ones. Yeah, I'm going right past those. All right, folks. Uh, let's start with. You know what? Let's start with the uh-huh. Nintendo category, and then we'll work our way out. Best family game. <laughs> this is a category that Nintendo. I did the math because I'm a weirdo. Uh, of all the best family nominees since Star Game Awards, Nintendo has been two thirds of the games in the seven, eight years of the Game Awards. And sure enough, this year they are four out of five. Well, three out of five, four if you count one. So the nominees are for best family Kirby and the Forgotten Land, Lego Star Wars, The Skywalker Saga, Mario Plus Rabbids, Spark of Hope, Nintendo Switch Sports, and Splatoon 3. I would want. Kirby to win. I mean, of that list, that's yeah. the one I want to play. I wanted to play the most. I still plan on playing it. Um, you know, just once things calm down. But that one, I feel that one also just like mechanically feels like the most family friendly game. And I'm just thinking like very broadly, like oh, you could play with any member of the family, be it like a five year old to like a thirty year old. Whereas yes. all of them have a higher barrier of entry. Like I mean, yeah, I guess your platoon, but that's you're that's either gonna click or not click. And I'm ready. And Wii Sports. 
And this one... Excuse you. Excuse what? you, Angel. Switch sports. <laughs> Switch sports. <laughs> I don't know. That one also felt like maybe just from, you know, the general conversation, because obviously I, I didn't get it. It felt right, like only like right. two or three of the games were fun. And even then, it, I don't know. It didn't feel like it would have as much of a a big communal founding thing like Kirby would. Yeah. Even if it's just two people. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, gonna go I'm just going to really quick. Right. Also, the music is so far, damn. Like, that DDD remix. Oh, my God. Oh, the music's great. All right, Kevin, where, where are you picking out of these? And then I have a bone to pick that I want to say. I'll go Splatoon. So I have a bone to pick with Splatoon. Um, I think of the ca- – I, I I was torn between Kirby and Splatoon. I think I'm – but I have a bone to pick with Splatoon that's going to make me pick Kirby. But not because Splatoon won't win but because Kirby is more deserving. I think the problem with Splatoon – they call it a family game. You can't play it with your family. It's single player on one device. You need to have multiple switches and hop online. It's not a family game. It's a game that's family a game. Friendly, you could play with I your guess. family fitting on the But it's not a family idea. game. Are you with what? Son? What was that? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Your dad can pop in and watch over your show and be like, oh, you should ink that spot. And little Timmy would be like, thanks, dad. And that, I guess, is a family interaction. Can you ink boost? Hold down. Yeah, don't, don't forget. Don't forget to collect your, um, your prizes from the last Splatfest, son. Because I say that because I forgot to collect my prizes. I can't. Uh, yeah, yeah. Did you get the Did you get the fake Nintendo Power you always wanted? Um, but yeah, it's not a real family. Like all these other games, you can have co- basically couch co op. Have a way to play so with you're your family. This game you can gather around it. The category perfectly, right? The the description of the category is for the best game appropriate for family play, irrespective of genre or platform. And again, you can't play it as because a family there are some easily. Other games and other categories that to me feel like what the heck. Um, I'm, I'm yeah, sure. I mean, for sure, the best family category, like I said, two-thirds are Nintendo. The best family category is, here's some games Nintendo made that are colorful and bright. Let's just throw them in a category. And uh, I guess Lego Star Wars gets a bone thrown, too. <laughs> like, it's it's a Nintendo category. But Splatoon Splatoon's probably the strongest in terms of what it offers and the amount of effort that went into it and, like, the depth of I it mean, and the whole community of playing. it. But, Man, that is a lot of money that Nintendo made from that one family. Cause that's seriously, that's switches, I mean a bunch of copies of the game. And to yeah. be fair, Nintendo's whole mo. If you look at their like recent financials, I don't talk about as much with you guys. But if you go and look at that, their whole mo um, is like we're now trying to sell multiple switches to single households. So in a way, it could be a family game if you do like a Splatoon Land party of sorts through Switch Online, and everyone's paying for subscriptions and all that jazz. But it's not really the best game appropriate for family play. You know what I mean? Um, but it is one of the strongest candidates of in terms of just quality of game. So I get where you're coming from with that, Kevin. I think I'm going to go Kirby overall, though, because that actually fits what family means. But that's Game Awards' fault, not anyone else's. Okay. So that is Best Family. We could probably speed this up as we get into some of the yeah. others. Uh, skipping all the esports. Okay. How, oh, here's kind of an interesting one. How about Best Adaptation? What show or movie based on a game do you think gets the award? Um, especially in our random or Nintendo days where we talk about shows and movies. So... Nominees are Arcane, League of Legends, Cyberpunk, Edge Runners, The Cuphead Show, exclamation mark, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, or Uncharted. I've heard excellent things and I've seen excellent things on the first four. I don't know much about Uncharted, but damn, I loved Arcane. Oh man, I don't know, but I also really love Sonic. Because uh, they're, they're like kind of polar opposites. One, I mean, yeah. one is like, so good, you don't need to know anything about League of Legends to enjoy it. Like, I just enjoyed it as its own thing. Like, it actually made me invested in those characters. Now I could go, like, oh, is that character from that one show? Even though, obviously, the game predated it. But, you know, but Sonic was just 
pure fun except for the you know there was like that one 30 minute thing in the middle where you turn into the wedding a, scene. a different comedy <laughs> yeah like right, a, right. a rom-com but um i think i guess i would have to give it overall to arcane also just because of the the way they broke ground with new animation techniques and oh, it, it was just so well done i mean i love sonic i think i would want to pick sonic but i think i have to give it to arcane just out of recognize what it did how about you kevin nowhere. Uh, I've only seen Cyberpunk, but I'm pretty sure Arcade is going to take it. Yeah, I'm leaning towards Arcane I myself. Don't watch I mean, too. I've heard good things about that as well. Yeah, I remember you talking up Cyberpunk, uh, Kevin. It's by Trigger, right? Back. It's Studio Trigger. Yeah, Studio Trigger. Yeah, they're awesome. Yeah, I think I'm leaning towards Arcane as well. I, I mean, there's only one on this list that like had that received actual year? Arcane. Yeah, that was last year. Uh, I think it? so. It might, uh, yeah, technically it was December, but the, the, the entry period for the Game Awards, um, I believe this year it ended November 18th. So anything that comes out after November, mid-November last year qualifies for this year. Makes sense. Since yeah. Since so, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm voting Arcane as well. Even though I've only seen Sonic, I've heard great things about Arcane. It's the only one on here that won all sorts of fancy technical achievement awards and other things. So in terms of the quality of product, or not even quality, that's not right. But in terms of innovation of product and execution, it seems like that's the one yeah, that's going to sure. We've talked about it in one of our episodes. I still recommend it. Looking forward to season two. Blah, blah. Yeah, it's a pretty decent soundtrack, too. I actually have some songs from the soundtrack, which is funny because I've never seen the show. Um, All right, next on the list. Best debut indie. Oh, this one's... I think I know what Kevin's going to say. All right, here we go. Uh, For the best debut game... For the best debut game created by a new independent studio. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and name the studio and the game. So... uh, well, best however you define it, you know. So Neon White by uh, by Angel. Look at that. Angel made a game by Angel Matrix and published by Amperna Interactive. Uh, Norco by Geography of Robots, published by Raw Fury. Stray by Blue 12 Studio, published by Annapurna. Tunic by Tunic Team, okay, published by Finji. And Vampire Survivors, published and developed by Ponsel. 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 I like Stray because Cap, but it's funny because that one feels like the least indie of all of them. It does. It's the it's the most high budget, I would say. Yeah, which, you know, it's not fair. But Annapurna is already, like, kind of approaching, like, way forward levels of, if not already. where they... I think they're past way forward in my mind. Annapurna's yeah. approaching, like... Um... Yeah, because they, they work with yeah, the they're, they're up teams, there. They're like big. They're, yeah, like, actually, yeah, you're right. I feel like way forward feels like way more indie now. They're digital devolver level of indie. Like, they make a ton of stuff. Yeah, but theirs like, all like has a through line and a certain vibe. I mean, and is there a they're like a different kind of. I mean, I, I'm just gonna call these super indies now, and then like regular indies are just like you know. Um, to be, I, you know what? I would still say though, game by themselves like cave story status, like that feels like super indie. Well, then Neon White should get it by default for you because Neon White was developed by like one guy. Oh my gosh! And his name is Angel, right, Kevin? That's right. Like it was one guy, right? Neon White, because you played it. I think you know. Wait, that. say that again. Neon White was developed by a single guy, right? Or I don't think so. Le- oh, maybe I'm wrong then. I could have sworn. Oh, no, it's three guys. Never mind. It was three guys, one of whom did some card game on iOS before that. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, indie, obviously, that just makes it way more impressive. But, I, damn, I don't, I don't know who to pick. Uh, I like the art style of Tunic. That seems cool. Tunic's right. very charming. Tunic's very uh, Link's Awakening remake in style. I think I'm, I'm going to go with Stray. It just, it was just in mind presence the most mainly the the merch that came around it like i still keep looking at the 
the cat backpack thing, even though I don't have a cat, I still kind of look at it and I'm like, it's only 165 bucks. I'm like, what am I going to do with it? Give it to me. I have three cats. I'll put one in it and parade it around the apartment. Hmm. Give it to me. We'll see. All right. Kevin, do you have a best indie date? Well, Hold I, I up. Do you have beasts? No, I said I have what? a six-month-old niece. Oh, I thought you said that you had six-old-month beasts. <laughs> I'm like, he has whoa, a, he has, why um... did we just skip this part of your life? We <laughs> decided to get a couple of mice. <laughs> he has a he has a tantamouse mouse or a mouse house or whatever the, those Pokemon are. Just a collection of mice. Uh, but yeah. Kevin, what would you say your indie is? Oh, considering uh, uh, I know you're I've say. only played one game on there and I loved it. It's yeah. gonna go to Neon White for sure. Neon White's coming to PlayStation next week. For anyone listening that doesn't own a Switch, and what are you doing here if you don't own a Switch? But uh, yeah, it's um. I'm going to lean toward – Stray, I think, is going to get it. Everything you said about Neon White makes me want that one to get. Um, yeah, next category. Awesome. Next category. Best multiplayer. Finally, one where Splatoon actually fits. Okay. So for outstanding online multiplayer game and design, including co-op and massively multiplayer experiences, irrespective of genre or platform, we've got Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 2, Multiversus, Overwatch 2, Splatoon 3, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder's Revenge. Quite a diverse list, actually. Yeah, that's a tough one, too. It's like, it is. I mean, I would, you know, personally, I guess I'd give it to Multiverses, but I feel like when I think multiplayer, like, I would give Multiverses, I would put that more in the fighting game category, because I don't really see it being, like, a great couch co-op. I mean, you can't even really do couch co-op, because everyone needs their own device to play Multiverses. To, to be fair, it does, the category is for outstanding online multiplayer, oh. specifically. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I guess it's kind of like multiverses, but that game is just really fun. They keep introducing new characters out of nowhere. Like even the, though there was that leak that said we were gonna get a Daffy and a Godzilla and some other wacky things, we're still getting other wacky things out of nowhere. Like we just got Marvin the Martian, and the way he's animated and portrayed is just freaking awesome. I don't know. It's I'm still blown away by how it got everything that Nickelodeon All Stars like wish it could have done as far as just like. You know, polish. I mean, gameplay is obviously a lot more simpler, but it's also just wackier. It's funner. It's like a less stressful Smash Brothers, which I feel just makes it that much more fun in some ways. You know, you you have one for your sweaty games, and you have one for I just want to have <laughs> some fun. Not to say that's not really fun. I like that description for your sweaty games. <laughs> when you really want to just get your yeah, hands you as clammy that, as possible, you, you want to get check that fun out rush. You want to be like, oh man, I just like. <laughs> I felt like I was going to pass out because I was like holding my breath for so long. And this one. Do you not want to throw your controller but have it just fall out of your hands? Well, check out a sweaty game. <laughs> but yeah, I guess I'll go with multiverses. I, it needs something. Okay. I don't know if this is the only category it's in, but probably fighting. Where where are you landing on this one, Kevin? Uh, I'll give it to Splatoon 3. Yeah, I was going to say Splatoon 3. I think realistically, actually, this year's tricky. Like, Call of Duty, we've gotten it years ago. Overwatch, I feel like, doesn't. It's doing great, I know, in terms of like player base, but I feel like it doesn't have a ton of buzz around it in the way other games have in the past. Um, Ninja Turtles would be like a weird, almost just like we're doing it because it's different. Like I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna go Splatoon for both. Yeah. Oh wait, you said Ninja Turtles in this category? Happen. Yeah, Shredder's Revenge. Oh well, yeah, I guess when you just said Shredder's Revenge, I just didn't process because you didn't say the full name. Um, I did say the full name. Did? Roll wow. back the tape. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, yeah, I definitely vote for yeah. that one. That one. Okay. Literally encompassed everything that I was talking about for. I mean, I know it says online, but 
like when I think best multiplayer game, like that one is just so fun to play like as a group because it's just you know sort of mindless smashing, but it's great soundtrack, great levels, just nice short bursts of fun. I don't know, it's it was amazing. I it caught me by surprise. It made me like beat 'em ups in the sense that right, because like, it's a genre you don't even like. Yeah. yeah, so it literally made me go like rethink a genre. So that yeah. that's worthy of your choice change. Yes, I bought the vinyl, um, which I liked it. It was great. And the I didn't even know they did a vinyl. From your okay, <laughs> wait. So you have American collector's edition, a European collector's edition, and no, 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 no. The, the American collector's edition wasn't that great. It was like really expensive for what it came with. So ah, okay. I instead bought the European collector's edition because it had some what I thought cooler more practical thing then it was also just way cheaper and i mean i got the game digitally so i just have a physical copy that is just for the collector stuff my digital copy that we actually played and just the vinyl right for the music gotcha. kind of same thing with the and you collection. almost didn't pick it wow yeah i know you didn't hear me but wow all right best sports and racing game uh this one i have no idea okay here we go f it's gonna be a lot of years you ready f122 fifa 23 NBA 2K23, Gran Turismo 7, and Curveball, Oli Oli World. I'm going to give it to Oli Oli World just because it isn't one of the other ones. Right. Same. I think, I think realistically, Gran Turismo. Back to I think, okay. Uh, I was going to say, I think Gran Turismo or FIFA might actually get it in reality. But um, Oli Oli would be cool. But, yeah. I mean, Gran yeah. Turismo is a technical achievement. It always is. Like, it's some of the most impressive looking video gameage like in terms of just like realism oh, yeah. you can like, get they achieve on that game and, and honestly like even it's the nuts. sports games themselves like all of those like they the amount of mechanics that they have built into those with all the different players is still pretty impressive but you know they're yeah. not really my cup the of one tea, I so think it's really hard for the me one to I think is any of those yeah same same the one I think is interesting that's missing and has been missing I believe for a few years is Madden what a fall from grace that Madden had nothing against the game but like it's it's had bugs it's it's it didn't change enough year over year like that used to be it's still one of the best-selling games every summer but like what a fall from like madden mania how many years ago to not even getting a nomination in the sports category that used what to dominate was, would you say it's madden? Uh, i was just saying how madden fell from grace and isn't even on the list would you say it's like they've had madden-y? some issues with madden uh i mean not for me because i don't care about madden but know, yeah. maybe for the madden devs yeah. um all right now that you're back kevin well, next said, category so. what was that Oh, that's true. That that got dark. Okay, best best simulation slash strategy game. Uh, here are your options: Dune, Space Wars, Mario plus Rabbids, Sparks of Hope, Total War, Warhammer Three, Two Point Campus, Victoria Three. Oof, I barely. I haven't played any of these. Same. Uh, I'm, I'll give it to Do just because I heard that one was pretty good. I'm throwing it to Mario and Rabbids just because I heard that one's pretty good. I'll and I like the Victoria first one. Victoria 3 because it sounds uh, medieval, <laughs> Renaissance era. Yeah. Yes. And sorry, Two Point Campus. I guess none of us want um, I mean, to. I mean, I heard of Two Point Hospital. Actually, Two Point Yeah, no, Two Point's a series. Yeah. So I guess out of simulation, I guess it probably is the best from there. But that's just it's not the super simmy though. It's very cartoony. So yeah, but so is Martin Rabbids. I mean, it's like it's just kind of loose. I was kind of yeah, it's interesting that simulation slash strategy. Yeah, I'll just also go with Victoria Three. Okay, all right, and like I said, I'm doing my rounds. Okay, best what they did with fighting. The lighting is pretty impressive. 
Hey, Victoria, are you watching a trailer right now? Like, how did no, you get to that? I'm just hoping they did oh. something interesting with that lighting. I, 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 it would be so funny if the game has like no lying effects after you said oh, that. Man. Uh, that like it's just all just time. like flat lighting. Anyway, mm-hmm. best fighting game. Uh, for best game design primarily around head-to-head combat. There is DNF Duel by Arc System Works. There is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle R. There is the King of Fighters, um, Math, uh, XV. I'm trying to think what that would be. I guess 15. Um, there's Multiversus. And there is, I think it's pronounced Sifu, or is it Saifu? You know, the Kung Fu game. Sifu. 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 And that's the one that I'm like, why did they, why didn't this category? Just because you fight NPCs? It's around head to head combat, is the category. And it is head to head is like person to person. Fair. Because it's a head to head. You're fighting NPCs. It's a single player game. But like, I mean, does that mean a beat em up is a fighting game? I mean, it's basically that. Yeah, why is it Ninja Turtles here in that case? Yeah, I, it, it, it's kind of a weird one. I, I don't think that game should be on there. Because you can't really compare it to... like Because right. that, that has a campaign. You're playing through a campaign. And you're comparing it to something like King of Fighters that I guess has a campaign. But, you know, people are just playing it for the head-to-head fighting mechanics. It's... Mm, I don't know. I, I, I guess okay, it's so not that one. <laughs> I guess I, I don't know where else they could have put it. I guess like action... Like it could have gone under action. Yeah. Actually, uh, that makes a lot of sense under action. Yeah. But I guess from there, I guess I'll go with multiverses again. For being that would be mine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the way they did Rick and Morty was interesting. Maybe just watching Elvis play because he's really good at that game. Kevin, what about, what about you? I'll give it to Sifu. Damn. Wow. Just everything Angel said just threw out the window. All right. Uh, best role playing. Shall we move on? Sure. Okay. So best role playing here. This is a bit of a kind of interesting sort of a stack category. At least if you're a Nintendo player. Um, so obviously there's Elden Ring. There's also uh, Live Alive or Live Alive or Live a Live, however you want to call it. Uh, there's Pokemon Legends Arceus, not Scarlet and Violet, even though it came out on the last day of submissions. Um, there's Triangle Strategy, and there's Xenoblade Chronicles Three. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's gonna go to Elden Ring. Let's be real. Yeah, I was gonna say like I guess Elden Ring's an RPG, so I guess that one because that felt like everyone and their uncle played it and seemed to enjoy it. I feel like it has to go Elden Ring. I would be happy with it going. I would like Pokemon Legends to get a little spotlight on again because I thought it was really good and it got buried by Scarlet and Violet being announced. So personally, I would be cool with, Scar- with uh, Legends getting it, but I, I, it has to be Elden Ring. There's no way. That would be uh, a, where a pleasant upset, but it's going to go to Elden right, Ring. Right, right. What, what do you think, Kevin? Oh, I wonder. <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> okay, marking you down for Triangle Strategy. Got it. No, we're uh, alive. Come on. No, of course, silly me, silly me. Yeah, obviously. Um, Okay, best action adventure game that isn't Sifu. Uh, A Plague Tale Requiem, God of War Ragnarok, which you must abstain from, Angel, Uh, Horizon for Ben West, Stray, or Tunic. Action adventure. That's the kind of game a Plague Tale is. I actually don't know much about Plague Tale except for like two screenshots. But it looks interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know a whole lot. I, I know people like it. There's a listener of ours who, um, shout out Kurt. Uh, he really likes it. Uh, he was tweeting about it the other day. And I was I'm like, very wow. Intrigued by this it. Is high praise. Is it an yeah. Xbox exclusive? Can people on PlayStation? It's on Game Pass. It? I know that much. Play it? Huh. I don't know. So I guess it must be on PC. So. Well, you said a Game yeah. Pass, but yeah. 
Uh, I don't know. I I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give it to Tunic. I'm gonna give it something. Wow, curveball. Uh, Kevin. Uh, it'll probably go to God of War. Yep, agreed. Um, I think the scale and scope of what I've heard of Horizon Forbidden West would be a good runner-up. But yeah, I think God of War got that one in the bag. Probably. Okay, I now like for best so much hype coming out, and then other things came out. Horizon. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's one. There is a recency bias, I suspect, with some of these. Like when we get to Game of the Year, for example. Like if you ask six months ago, it would have been Elden Ring. If you say it now, it's probably God of War. But like, there's you know, it's only because God of War is newer. Like there is a recency bias. I feel like. Uh, anyway, we'll get to that. Best action game, which to be clear does not have slash adventure, just straight <laughs> up <Sifu>. action. <laughs> or Sifu. Uh, nope. Sifu's here. Oh, Sifu's really? here. Uh, all right. <laughs> yep. So best action game: Bayonetta three. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Call of Neon Duty? Neon White. Sifu. Neon Teenage White. Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. What a There's no category. category? Um, no. Huh. There aren't that many shooters this year, actually, if you think about it. I mean, it's a light year for... Two, Neon White, shooters. Call of Duty, Splatoon. <clears throat> well, Neon White's like not a traditional shooter, but yeah, I get what you mean. Hmm. Yeah, see, that's yes, another one that feels the, kind of weird to compare Sifu to Call of Duty... The, yes, and the, the description for this is for the best game in the action genre focused primarily on combat. So that's how they're making this all work. You're, you're fighting in all of them. Less like Call of Duty because it's like more less emphasis on shooting, yeah. not combat. Although unless, single, and this one does have single combat, player Call of Duty. I don't know because I didn't play it. Maybe there is a whole like punching and kicking and blocking mechanic. You can jab with a knife, but no single player Call of Duty is very actually kind of linear action game. And yes, you're shooting, but you're going like kind of room to room on down this like set path and like at least older Call of Duties are like that. Um, oh, yeah, there was I, I think they can gunplay, but also that. stabbing and no setting bombs than, um, and yeah. Then Half-Life, I think that was also considered like an action adventure game, action game. even though it's yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, you're 100% shooting. Right. And wacky things with the crowbar. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I already forgot what was on this category. Bayonetta, uh, Call of Duty, Neon White, Sifu, TMNT, Shredder, Revenge. I think I'm going to give it to Bayonetta just because Same. Platinum always goes over the top on their action. And I feel like it's always really hard to top just how crazy their action gets. If it's anything like Yeah, I think games. if you want pure, unfiltered action at the like, peak of what action can mean, Bayonetta is it. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin, how about you? Yeah, the white. Hmm. Makes sense. Okay, here's one I think none of us can answer. So let's let's try it. Uh, best virtual reality slash augmented reality. Oh, After okay. the fall, Among, Among Us VR, Bone Lab, Moss Book Two, Red Matter Two. I'm gonna be honest. I only know two of those games. I'm gonna give it to Moss Two. Because is that based on the name or because you know it? Um, because I think I've played a very little of Moss 1, and I love how charming <laughs> okay. the animations were. So I imagine if it's a sequel, it's only better. I'm sure all the developers of all these games are so happy to know that we're not on the, uh, judging panel for picking <laughs> these awards. <laughs> I like the first one, and it was had a fun art style, I mean, I guess so this I, one I mean, must in be theory, good. I mean, I, the times I've played Among Us, I've enjoyed, like, the heck out of it. So I figured, like, well, I guess it could only be even more intense in first person. Yeah. But I just really like the animation of Moss. Like, it's just so I'm well I'm going to throw it to Among Us only because it's the only one I really know, uh, which is a really bad way to do it. But, Kevin, what about you? Yeah, I'll give it to Among Us. Okay. 
All right, here's a new category this year, which is a really cool category, and I'm glad the industry is actually starting to rally around this stuff. Innovation in accessibility. What a cool category. So as dusk fall, as dusk falls, God of War Ragnarok, abstain angel, uh, return to monkey Island, the last of us part one and the quarry. The last of us part one and the quarry. I don't know much about the accessibility options of any of the other games, but last of us part one is very similar to God of War. But if, if it's, if last of us part one is, yeah, if it's, if it's anything like last of us part twos, I'll give it to last of us part one. I believe it's the same, if not a little more. So. Okay. I'll yeah. give it to last of us part one. Yeah. Yeah. Last of us part two had, Amazing accessibility options. Yeah, I remember you guys talking about it on uh, oh, yeah, Nintendo back in the day it's for like, like an hour. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you could play the game yeah. blind. Which is super cool that they're finally like. I feel like Microsoft really kicked this off with that Xbox accessibility controller, mm-hmm. and then everyone else kind of started doing it too. But it's it's real. It, it's long overdue given how big gaming yeah, is for all this. Part one. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna go with that as well based on what you guys said about part two i kind of want to get to god works i heard that has really good accessibility but i know last of us kind of led the charge on that so it should get the praise you know um all right best best I mean, community support whenever last of us two came out i'm sure it did uh, I, it did it, i don't even think this award, oh, award existed right. but it definitely got attention i distinctly remember all the articles and okay. stuff about it um best community support um, so to define this, Mob recognizing Psycho? a game for what? Oh That's wait, no. a game. I'm, I'm thinking of content creator. Oh, uh, oh, did you want to do content creator? No, 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 because no, I don't know any of them except it. for the the dude with the Mob Nibble. Psycho. Yeah, who Nibble. retired from Twitter and is now gang is due. I will give it to Nibble as well. Anyway, um, Nibillion, I think is his actual name. Um, sorry, I lost my place. Uh, best community support. So this is recognizing a game for outstanding community support, transparency and responsiveness, inclusive of social media activity, and Game updates and patches. Well, I bet you one won't be winning in. That's Pokemon Scar and Violet. Am I right? No. Okay. Um, here are the actual categories. Apex Legends. In like the tiniest way. Uh, Apex Legends. Destiny 2. Final Fantasy 14. Um, Fortnite. No Man's Sky. Uh, it's just all based on speculation because I have no idea what, how the community like, is handled. But I'm going to guess No Man's Sky again or... Oh, I don't recall if they've won it before. Fortnite's the guy is the one I that wins it a no lot. Guy did but... win it last time. To be fair, they really turned themselves exactly, around. Like yeah. when that game came out, yeah, it was it's like, such a like it's all but gone. So yeah, it's ahead. such a great rebound story. Yeah, and the fact that they pursued like they pushed through all that negativity early on and actually like made their vision happen and they're now expanding on even getting it on Switch. Like props to them. Yeah. Um, Kevin, where where you say? I don't know, between No Man's Sky and Final Fantasy, probably. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to lean towards... I think realistically... Yeah, I'm going to go with No Man's Sky, actually. Yeah. Um, I think Apex might actually have a shot. It's a, but Because it just it has some momentum right now. It just won, like, for I, Apple's, like, iPhone game of the year. It just won. Best mobile game on iPhone. So it has a little extra momentum it hasn't had in a few years. So I wonder if that's going to... Well, this is Apex Legends. This is Apex Legends mobile. Isn't they're, it they're, one they're different community, games. though? They're different right, games. Right, but isn't it one? Okay, fair. Well, let's talk about the other one, then. Uh, best mobile game. Apex Legends Mobile. Diablo Immortal. Genshin Impact. Marvel Snap. And Tower of Fantasy. I think I know what's going to win this. I oh, am. Yeah. Marvel Snap. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Even I'm going to pick that. 
Um, I do think, like I said, Apex Legends Mobile does have momentum right now, but I think Marvel Snap has kind of swooped in out of nowhere, so it's going to end up taking it, probably. Um, best Indie, which, to be clear, is not the same as Indie Debut, but some of them overlap. But these are these could be Indies that are already established, or they could be new. So here are the best Indies. Cult of the Lamb, Neon White, Sifu, Stray, Tunic. Yeah, Sifu yeah, probably a bit more than I expected. Um, I'll give it to yeah, Cult of the Lamb, on here a lot. I love its 2D art style. I think I'm going to... I kind of want to go for Stray just because I really like the idea of it and it looks very pretty. But I haven't played any of these. But then again, Kevin, you were talking up Neon White a lot. Uh, I'll say Stray still. Um, Best ongoing game. Uh, Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Final Fantasy 14, Fortnite, Genshin Impact. Fortnite kills this category every year, I feel like. I don't think I'll go with Final Fantasy 14, just because I played it at one point. <laughs> and people still seem to really like the new expansion. <laughs> Not that it's good, just that you played it. <laughs> I mean, but... it was fun, and there no, was I know, a lot I know. of positive buzz um, from people that I knew that were playing when the expansion came out. They kind of burnt it really quickly, though. So, I don't know. I'll still go with it. Okay. Apex. Apex? Uh, I think I might do... I think I'm going to do Final Fantasy. I know it has a lot of momentum right now. Um, so that might work in its favor. Um, okay, this next one's Game for Impact. I don't think we know any of these games. So if we, I'll read it, but if we want to skip it, I totally get it. So there's A Memoir Blue, As Dusk Falls, Citizen Sleeper, Endling, Extinction is Forever. Oh, I know that one. That's on Switch. Hindsight, I Was a Teenage... Exocolonist. I don't know any of these. Yeah, so Endling was the one where you have to take care of a baby fox and it could die if you don't take care of it. It was in Indie World. I don't know the rest. So we'll move on. Let's Angel, you have one? Uh, I already forgot the nominees. Alright, moving on. <laughs> uh, do you guys want to do best performance for voice acting? Or, no, I... Or, I, no. I, I no. Yeah, I think no offense, voice actors. It's not that we don't value yeah, your we art. Just have it's just we don't know you. Yeah. Best audio design? Should we do that one? Start like skip ahead. Yeah, we'll do that one. Call of Duty, Elden Ring, God of War, Gran Turismo, Horizon. Wow, that's like the PlayStation category. I want to give it to Gran Turismo because yeah, I Gran imagine Turismo. they've already mastered like the room when the cast Cuts the cards of room, room. Yeah, yeah. I really hope like when they announce Gran Turismo, just like for the room rooms, it's Gran Turismo. <laughs> and the, uh, yeah, and all the skirt. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah okay. That down so hard. Yeah. Yeah, they, they know what they're doing. They're pros. It might be coming to PC, by the way. Wow. Just a little, little, little rumblings of that. Um, all right, best score in music. The options are A Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Metal Hellsinger, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. I'm going to go with Metal Hellsinger because it sounds like it would have... That's the metal shooter, thing. right? Oh, is it? I imagine it would have a great I think the so... dude who did Doom Eternal... Went and did a game that yeah, he would metal. Yeah, yeah. So that one's definitely unique. I think it should get some accolades for standing out well, and being different. But yeah, I, I would, yeah. I'll give it an yeah. honor. Yeah. Okay. Now, on this list is Sonic Frontiers for the music in World 1-2, which is a <laughs> banger. <laughs> I actually did when you tweeted that I did listen to it. It was actually – I was like, wow, if the whole game was this quality. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say I was watching um, my brother play the other day, and he was fighting like some – bayonetta looking boss or like just something crazy in the sky and he was supersonic and like the music was like playing with like vocals and it just felt like really awesome it just looked really really great and then i've just found like also do some other missions around damn that game looks really really fun 
seems to be really enjoying it too. But yeah, that music it definitely it's about to picking it up myself. Yeah, it, it's but cheap right that, now. You get it for like thirty bucks. That thirty bucks on what? <laughs> what? Uh, thirty Anyhow. bucks on what? All the platforms. They were selling the it like Netflix. the physical copies. I don't think so. Yeah. I'm it's literally, I'm, I'm literally looking at it. It's no, 60 no, it was, it was a cyber. I think it was a Cyber Monday thing. But Amazon had it for 30 uh, over the weekend of Thanksgiving. Oh, it was 40 copies. at some other places. Yeah, physical copy. That's the thing. Oh, uh, no. Well, well, this this dweeb over here still gets physical copies. So. I, 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 I just got to say, I'm very privileged that I don't have to deal with uh, physical copies. I, I do understand regretted. why they're needed. I have regretted going full physical. Push up a death and go like, enjoy your long-term rental. (laughs) Well, actually, you're just getting a rights to a game, not owning it. No, but um, I regret not going digital to a degree. Um, But I'm too far in, too far gone. Anyway, best art direction, guys. Um, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Scorn, Stray. I'm going to go with Scorn on this one because just based on the direction they're going with, like they really picked a very creepy monster direction that just looks very uniform and really cool and very different. It feels like some art that I've seen on the internet that's like disturbing monsters. but Yeah, it's like H.R. Giger. Like the oh, that made, uh... oh, it's probably yeah. that I saw. Or that, um, yeah, I'm sure he's like a big guy in that. But yeah, I'm going to go with Oh, Scorn. he was a big guy. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> he's the guy that that's like the Xeomorph. Oh, yeah, that that's cool. that's like his style. I think it's no just wonder. Damn, yeah, it also had like an alien vibe. Just didn't put it together. Yeah, HR Geiger. There we go. That's safe. Like a Geiger counter. Is that where it came from? No, I don't know. Different Geiger, different Geiger, but both have contributed greatly to the world. Clearly, so <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I'm gonna say Stray because I just love the like. The cyberpunk and the cat. <laughs> what about you, Ken? I'm kind of torn between Stray and Scorn, to be quite honest. I, They're definitely I'd be the fine most with, interesting. With, with either two. I'm, this I'm guess no no offense, Angel, because I know Godward looks great and runs great, but like Elder and Godward and Horizon kind of blend in how they look a little. They have unique aspects, but if you look at the three of them and then you look at like Scorn and Stray, like two stand out a lot more, you know? Sure. I see what you're going to get. Yeah, like like if you if you squint. <laughs> um, all right, so those are that. Best narrative, uh, A Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Immortality. I don't know what Immortality is, I'm going to be honest. I would say Immortality, that game got a lot of good buzz. How do I not know what this is? I like to pride myself on being on top of things. It's in multiple categories. Anyway, sorry, Angel, what are you picking? Uh, the first one? Plague Tale? Yeah, I'll give it a Plague Tale. Okay. I'm going to give it to uh, God of War because I heard... Well, one, I know the story from the first one's good. Uh, and two, there's like a weird comic relief character now, which I never expected. And that was kind of a, a pleasant surprise. The weird little creature guy. I forgot what he's called. But I was like, oh, look at that. I'm really making these award decisions with some sound logic, aren't I? Um, okay, best... Bet, thank you. Best game direction. We're getting, we're getting home stretch. Two more to go. Best game direction. Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Immortality, Stray. That's a tough one. Mm, I'm going to go with Stray because they picked a direction and they just 
went. Did it pass? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's. It has an outstanding creative vision and innovation. That is true. Kevin. I'll either go immortality or Elden Ring. I think I'm gonna go Elden Ring just because there's a lot of moving parts they had to account for, and to have that all fall into such a smooth direction like that, like it 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 required a lot. Like there's a lot of like planning, and you know what I mean. Versus something like Stray, which is a little more, which well, definitely unique in direction, is a little more straightforward. If that makes sense. Um, all right, the biggie. Here we go. Final category, gents. Game of the year, a plague requiem. Sorry, a plague tale requiem. Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West. I'm trying to say as I can't answer. Stray, Xenoblade Chronicles Three. I think I'll go with A Plague Tale because when I see the poster, it just looks like Oscar bait, but <laughs> it seems to be doing like a good job of it because it has like, we... the sympathetic like, um, like foster kid story. But I don't know. It, it just looks. It looks like it's deserving of it. It would be a nice like uh, I... what they called um, uh, what's that called when um an underdog beats like a like upset. A, yeah, an upset. Upset? Yeah. yeah. It, it, it would seem like it'd be a, a, a nice upset. I feel like Xenoblade would be the biggest upset, just compared that to the That would be, one. but that's For not the happening. larger gaming Xenoblade. community. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. How great is it, though, that Xenoblade has reached the point? It went from a game Nintendo didn't want to bring to the U.S. to not just being successful with multi-millions of copies sold, but also, like, game of the year in the Game Awards. Like, yeah, that's pretty awesome. can't knock it for, Honestly. you know. Yeah, they... they Remember, like, Operation, what was it, Operation Rainfall or whatever to get Xenoblade and, like, two other games, Pandora's Tower and, and The Last Story, all to the Wii, and, you know, it was, like, a little fan campaign. Now here we are. Pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Kevin, what would you pick for Game of the Year? Uh, pa, 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 pa. I mean, I'd probably just go with Aldrich. But... I think this... Or, sorry, you're going to say something else? Yeah. No, I, I probably just Elden Ring. I really I, love the game. I think this, this is what I was saying before about like the recency bias. I feel like Elden Ring, if you asked a few months ago, would be a shoo-in. I feel like there's maybe competition from God of War, and I feel like God of War has the edge of being fresher in people's minds. Because Elden Ring was almost a year ago. I would, I think Elden Ring was the bigger, like, whoa, sort of like, this, this is this huge type of thing. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Don't forget the one of those legs two. Elden Ring had because it felt like it was in the conscious for like a couple months, if not more. That's true. That's that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. God War is very recent by comparison and has shorter legs because it's so recent. Yeah, so Elden Ring did have like cultural impact. That's very true. Yeah, maybe I'll say Elden Ring actually. Yeah, I'll go with Elden Ring actually. That's a fair point. Now, one more prediction that isn't on the the award list. Uh, what will Nintendo do at the Game Awards? Any guesses? At all Nothing. of anything. That is my nothing. Prediction. They're gonna do nothing. Not even a commercial for like Switch Online subscriptions. Yeah, they'll have a regular, just a, re- a regular generic commercial. It's like a sizzle reel, of like now available on Switch kind of deal. And coming Zelda soon, trailer, Zelda. I think, probably. You think a Zelda trailer? You Zelda trailer, yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, initially I had thought something related to the Mario movie would make a ton of sense here because you have the celebrity element of the Game Awards. Um, you know, have a big name introduce the trailer, and oh, then like with Sonic in the past. Because, like, Sonic – yeah, that's the thing. But, like, Sonic in the past, they, like, it's a really great venue to be, like, to the core gamer audience. Like, look, we're making with love the project based on the thing you love. Like, that's why Sonic was there. So that makes sense. But 
like you just said, we had that trailer already. I think the new trailer uh, conveys extremely well that Mario, the Mario movie is being made with love. I know both of you are kind of on me at Blackout, so I'm not, I'm not saying any details, but I love that trailer. And I don't think there's any doubt in anyone's mind that this isn't being made with passion for the original property. So that immediately removes, besides it just coming out, there's no need. They never need to put it at the Game Awards because it speaks for itself. Um, so I think the other option is, if not Zelda, like, well, it's interesting because when t- typically when Nintendo has news to share at the Game Awards, it's something very gamer-centric, right? Like, it's mainstream, but it's mainstream to, like, the game community. So you have, like, Bayonetta, Metroid Prime 4, Marvel Ultimate Alliance, Joker of all characters, but in Smash Bros., the biggest fighting game. Like, there's this through line with this stuff. And if you look at their 2023 lineup, well, the one that's the one type of game that's not there right now. Like, we've got a Kirby remake, we've got a Fire Emblem, we got Pikmin 4, of course, Zelda. But none of those outside of Zelda scream, like, hey, PlayStation and Xbox gamers, like, look at this cool thing we've got. None of them have the vibe of, like, Bayonetta or Metroid or Marvel or Smash. So it could be Zelda or maybe I feel like it would not – it would behoove them to maybe uh, lean in on that missing part of their lineup if there is a game in the lineup that they haven't announced yet. Like I, I don't want to lean into the rumors of past years of Metroid Prime. I know one year people thought 4 would show up. Another year a remake of 1 would show up. But honestly, like something like that I think would be fitting. Whether they have it or not is another question. Like I don't think we're going to see – Metro Prime 4, because that's probably not hitting until the Switch's successor at this point. But, like, if they had a new, I don't know, F-Zero in the style of GX, that could work. Or like maybe Star Fox Pentry if they really, like, guzzy it up and make it look super slick and stylish. Um, but that's kind of like the realm of Nintendo IPs, I think, we could – would make the most sense to show and would be cool to see. Or even if it's a big publishing deal with an outside IP, like kind of how they did with Ultimate Alliance or Bayonetta, like – if they did, I don't know, like a Metal Gear re-remake, like the Quadruple Snakes or something instead of the Twin Snakes, like, or maybe they get Eternal Darkness going again, like that sort of like head turning, like that's on Switch to the, to this audience would make sense to me. And they are missing that sort of angle in their lineup for next year. So I have no idea if that's what's going to happen. It'd be cool. Um, even more Zelda would just be cool. Although I, for some reason, I don't know. I don't, I don't see Zelda being there, but, um, We'll see in like four days. It's this Thursday. But that's, that's my guess is if they do anything, it's going to be kind of a weird head turn. Like what? Like even when they did um, Octopath Traveler or Triangle Strategy or whichever one they did and it was kind of like, whoa, like this old school like RPG that's often – like style of RPG that's often associated with like early PlayStation days is on Switch. Like that – yeah, that – I could see them doing something like that, like some sort of land grab of traditionally other platforms type of game. But we'll see. We'll see. Um I think that's it for the predictions. We'll, I guess, reconvene on our next episode, talk about um, the show itself and the winners and Angel, you are my experience in person there. Um, is there anything or else? TDs. To... What? Third year oh, of our TDs. I don't think we're going to – I think that's two episodes away. I don't think we're quite there yet. Is it? Oh, wait. You might be right. Well, yes, we do have our own year-end awards to do at some point in the coming weeks. That is true. Um was there anything? Or, sorry, I feel like I'm taking over as host. Angel, back to you, host man. <laughs> uh, well, I think that's actually all we had. It actually ended up being quite a packed episode for only two topics. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, I guess. Um, what do we do usually at this point? We do housekeeping. So I guess. Uh, yes. Back to me listen, again. <laughs> you can listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Yuzu. Banger, Sorry, what was that third one? You, Yulu and Banger? Are, you, are we on porn sites? What is Banger? <laughs> not, not everything <laughs> that you ramble at the end. Um, 
iTunes. Do you want me to do it? Do you want me to ramble? Uh, yeah, just go for it. All right. Well, first of all, it's important to note that we are back on our usual release cadence. Uh, you may have noticed we had a three-week gap, and then before that was like a two-month gap. But I think as far as we're aware, we're back to our two weeks, hopefully. We'll try and stick to that as best we can, but um, obviously we'll see. But where, when we show up, you will find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, uh, and our YouTube channel also has audio versions of every show at randomnintendo.com. Um, what's interesting is actually YouTube just rolled out usernames. So I think we're just at Random Nintendo if you try us that way. So you can do YouTube.com slash at Random Nintendo or slash Random Nintendo.com, and I think they both work. Um, so experiment and let us know. <laughs> Leave us a comment and let us know if you can find us. Um, besides that, yeah, we're – I think that's all the housekeeping. We're not on Banger, whatever Banger is, um, but maybe we should be. Um, on Twitter, we are Random Nintendo. Uh, individually. That must be it, yes. Yeah, that works. That works. Good save. Good PG save. Um, but yes, we're on Twitter individually for as long as Twitter's still alive. Uh, I am JSR7. Angel is Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. Kevin is KVN Gomi. Um, back to you, Angel. That's the housekeeping. Yeah, so that was episode nine. Um, Kevin, got any final words for us? Yeah, man, I was really hoping that I would get it. Uh, uh, Sex Gym 3D is on sale right now on Steam. Sex Gym? Is that what you just said? <laughs>